Hey, welcome to our podcast. I'm Phil Stringer, worship and creative arts pastor at Calvary Church. We hope you'll find something every week that inspires you and encourages you in your faith. You can subscribe to this podcast wherever you listen so that you'll never miss an update. Hope you enjoy the message. Somebody say hallelujah. Hallelujah. That universal word that expresses the joy and the angelic host we join with them today. Hallelujah. Come on, somebody. Hallelujah. Let's add to that. For the Lord God omnipotent reigneth. Say it. Hallelujah. For the Lord God omnipotent reigneth. If you believe that, somebody shout praise God. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You can be seated for a minute if you're able. We look to the word of the Lord this morning, and then we will come to the table of the Lord. As some of you know, many years I pastored uh, up the road in Winston, don't, uh, we saw God build a great church there and from a couple of hundred to several thousand. And as a pastor, I was reluctant for many years uh, to talk about resources because uh, we were so close to, uh, in the old days, the PTL thing in Charlotte and we we're not happy with some of the things that were going on there. And, and so I was just reluctant to even preach about giving. And one of my Wednesdays, my Wednesdays uh, was always in prayer and study all day on Wednesdays. And uh, in the middle of my time of prayer and study on Wednesday, one day, uh, the Lord took me to the woodshed. Anybody here ever have God take you to the woodshed? And then he starts quoting scripture on you, then you really know you're in trouble. And here's what he said to me. He said, how dare you withhold the word of God from my people that has to do with my desire to bless them. And I got a spanking that day. And I've been free ever since, just so you know. And today I wanna talk to you about principles of blessing. Does anybody here wanna be blessed? Six of you so far, okay. Luke chapter 16, let's read a passage for a moment. Luke chapter 16, put that up on the screen for us. The Lord Jesus is telling a story, and here's what he says. For the sons of this world are more shrewd in their generation than the sons of light. And I say to you, Make friends for yourselves by unrighteous mammon that when you fail, they may receive you into an everlasting home. He who is is faithful in what is least is faithful also in much, and he who is unjust in what is least is unjust also in much. Therefore, if you have not been faithful in the unrighteous mammon, who will commit to you your trust, the true riches? And if you have not been faithful in what is another man's, who will give you what is your own? No servant 
can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Those are the words of the Lord Jesus. Mammon is the name of a being, and it's the demon deity that rules material wealth. Jesus said, you cannot serve God and mammon. He didn't say you can't serve God and have money, but you can't serve God and be ruled by money. So in the message, we come to this powerful yet difficult passage, and let's look at the story that is here before us and some biblical principles. In the scripture that we just read, Jesus is saying, I want to give you a lesson on how things work. And he sets up this situation by telling the story of how things work when a society functions under its own rules and guidelines. And he's going to set some stark contrast to that. So Jesus is talking about how do you handle your money? What difference is it going to make in your tomorrows? And the story Jesus tells here first needs to be linked with the preceding story because it begins by saying, and Jesus also said to them. Now the story that precedes this is the one we're very familiar with. It's the story of the prodigal son. The son left home, took his family inheritance, wasted it, winds up in a pig pen, and then he comes back to the father's house, not to be reunited, but just to ask for a job. To his amazement, when he heads back to the house, the father is waiting for him, embraces him and loves him, and restores him to the family inheritance. Now Jesus is describing this story, and he's telling us about the power of God's forgiveness, the power of God's love. That wherever you've been, whatever's happened to you in your past, you're welcome to come back home to the Father and he will receive you, he will love you, he will forgive you, and he'll give you back the inheritance. Come on, somebody. And then Jesus goes to the second story. It's a story about a man who cheated his boss. His boss finds out about it and says, you're fired. So the servant gets on the phone with all the vendors that owe his boss money. And he calls them all and says, you know what, if you owe you $1,000, let's cut that to $500 and just pay me that. And so he starts calling all these people and he negotiates settlements with all these people because what he's thinking is, I've, I've just been fired from my job, I need to make friends with a lot of people and hopes that some of them are gonna hire me. And so Jesus tells this issue and he says, an interesting thing, he says, you know what? The world system, the culture of this world is more shrewd in dealing with their issues than the people of the kingdom are in the issues that I've ordained for them and the principles. The point of the message that Jesus is bringing to us is about stewardship. Stewardship has to do with what has been entrusted to all of us. It relates to our lives. It relates to your influence. It relates to your skills. It relates to your time. It relates to your resources. And one of the slyest things of the adversary is to attempt to divorce the discussion of money from spiritual values. When we talk about resources, we're talking about something at the heart of our lives. There are three primary things all of us in this room have. We have talents. Everybody in this room has been gifted by God. Yeah. Well, you don't know me, Ron. Well, I don't know you, but I know God. 
He didn't create people without talent. So unless you evolve from a tadpole to a polywog to a frog, you've been gifted by God. So all of us have gifts, talents. All of us have time, 24 hours in a day. And all of us have been given resources. And all of us, if, if you think like I do, none of us have enough of all three of those. In a very real sense though, money has to do with every part of our life. Your time translates to resources. Tomorrow you'll go to a job, some of you will punch a clock, others of you are on a salary, and you'll work a certain number of hours, and you'll be compensated based on those hours. It's all about your time. And the way the servant wasted is different from the way the son had wasted in the prodigal son story. When the master calls and says, I found out about you and, and you're fired, and Jesus tells this powerful story. This is Jesus telling these stories now. And when Jesus is done with the story, he again says, listen to what the crooked servant says to the master. He then draws his, this lesson. He says, the sons of this world are more shrewd in their generation than the sons of light. Jesus is not commending what was done. He's making an observation. He's saying the world and its system works their system to the hilt. The children of this culture, of the world system, are consistent with their system. They know how to make it work for them. See, that's what Jesus is saying. Now he says the children of this world know the system and they milk it for all it's worth. They live in a world that's exploitative and manipulative and they, they make it work. The children of the world, he says, are smarter in that sense. And he says in that way they are smarter or wiser than the children of light who do not commit themselves to live completely in alignment with the system I have given them. And he concludes this lesson by saying, you can't order your life with two forms of government. You can't serve God and his order of government that affects your life, your influence and your money and, and serve the world too. In other words, you can't say, I'm gonna be a spiritual person and serve mammon. And Jesus is saying, if only the people of his church, those that have been redeemed, the people of God, the children of light, if only my people would be consistent with the system I have ordained in the management of their resources, they would live a secure life. If we assign ourselves to God's plan, we can ensure our tomorrows. It will guarantee our sufficiency. But it operates on principles. In his teaching, Jesus is underscoring how consistent the world is. And then he gives us principles on which we can order our lives by. Let me just give you a few of those principles this morning. Somebody might wanna write some of these down. Number one, God wants his people to function in his system. God wants his people to function in his system. You see, the word of God gives us a system about every arena in life. There's a system about relationships. If you walk in that system, if you, if you do what the word of God says, your relationships will be intact. There's a system about family. If you do what the Lord of God says regarding family, then family issues will be dealt with. If it has to do with your resources, there's a, a system that God has ordained. If you'll live by it, walk in it, then things will work out. There are systems, principles, by which the God has set in the, in, the, in the Word of God. If we will walk in them and live in them, we will find our lives fulfilled, sufficient, and with joy. Hallelujah. So God wants us to function in his system. Here's the second principle. You will not be more faithful to God 
in other areas of your life than you are with your resources. Wow. Verse 10. He who is faithful in what is least is faithful also in much. He who is unjust in what is least is unjust also in much. You see, it's a pretension to suppose you're going to be a great person of faith and other matters, but not with your resources. Jesus said money is an expression of your life. And so if you, it's about faithfulness and what God has entrusted to you. So that's the second principle. Number three, you cannot advance spiritually beyond your obedience with resources. Verse 11, if you've not been faithful in the unrighteous mammon, who will commit to trust you with true riches? Remember, this is Jesus talking. The Lord says you need to prove your obedience. How many have ever been like me, Ron? I say, God, you can trust me with more. And the Lord says, well, let's see how you do with what I already gave you. If I can't trust you with, with mammon, how can I really trust you with true riches? You see, we demonstrate our obedience by how we, how we handle what we, he's already given to us. You know, it's just like the guy who, who said to me, uh, you know, Pastor, I'll tell you what, if I win a lottery, I'm gonna pay tithe on that. I said, no, you're not. You won't give $10 to God of the 100 you have. Why would I think you're gonna pay tithe when you get 10 million? If you can't be faithful in what I've already given you, how can I trust you with true riches? That's what he's saying. Lord says, prove yourself by doing something with what I've already given you. This is getting so good, I can't wait for the next point. Here's number four. Give and it shall be given unto you. Some people are waiting for God to bless them. God's saying, I'm... Give me something to work with. You don't get first, you give first. The whole principle of the kingdom of God is not getting, it's giving. If you give, it will be given back to you, pressed down, shaken together and running over. You see, the first thing, you've gotta trust God enough to give God some of what you already have. If you expect his blessing and him to do something with it. If, if, you, if, if you, have, you give him nothing, he has nothing to work with. It's the principle of God's word. The word says, cast your bread upon the waters, and in time of need, it will be returned multiplied to you. Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, he that soweth sparingly shall reap sparingly, and he that soweth bountifully shall reap bountifully. Every man according as he has purposed in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. The Lord is dealing with attitudes. You ever met tight, stingy people? They just have that look on them. You know, they count their chains 25 times. And I've never met a tight, stingy person that was really happy. So I made a decision. I'm just gonna be generous. I made a decision. I'm not gonna live my life with a tight fist. I'm gonna live my life with an open hand. And you know what, God has blessed that. You see, people all the time say, well, this, this church hasn't done this for me, and when's the church gonna do this? And when, you know, you are the church. The church is not this building. Church is not the pastor you don't have yet. The church is you. 
As you give, it will be given. If you give joy, it comes back. If you appreciate others, you'll be appreciated. If you love others, you're gonna be loved. You see, what you give comes back to you. Some of us are waiting for it to come. You have to just do what the word says. Give of your time, your talent, your resource. Give and it will be given back to you, pressed down, shaken together and running over. Jesus said, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break into steel, but store for yourselves treasure in heaven where moth and rust does not destroy and thieves do not break into steel. For where your treasure is, uh uh-oh, there will your heart be also. Ma'am, let me look at your checkbook and I can tell you what's important to you. If you look at my checkbook, you'll see checks made out to grandkids. They're kind of important to me. What you value, you give to. What your treasure is, you invest in. When all is said and done, brothers and sisters, my treasure is the work of God. My treasure is the kingdom of God. This body of believers is my treasure. When you sow into the kingdom of God, you reap from the kingdom of God treasures. I'm not giving to Calvary, I'm giving to God's kingdom. I'm sowing seeds of my life and resource and ministry that will reap dividends in my life and my children's lives and others from years to come. When I give, I'm giving to the work of God. My treasures are being laid up in heaven. When your treasure is the kingdom of God, it'll put things in right priority. My youngest son doesn't even realize the compliment he gave to me a couple of weeks ago. When we were talking about a situation and uh, he said, you know, Dad, you're just prejudiced because you're just a giver. Yeah. <laughs> Give, and it shall be given unto you. Press down, shaken together, and running over. Those are the words of Jesus. Is anybody hearing me? Those are the words of Jesus. Give, and it's gonna be given to you, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Second Corinthians nine, every man according as he has purposed in his heart, so let him give. I'm giving an honor to the Lord. I'm giving acknowledging his grace in my life. I'm giving generously because I know what I give will not return void. In verse 10, the Lord says, I will increase your store of seed, your supply of seed. I will keep giving you more than what you've ever given, that you will have more to give so that you'll be made rich in every way and generous in every situation. Number five, God is able to bring us from poverty to abundance. I love this one. Second Corinthians chapter eight, moreover brethren, we made known to you the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia that in a great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded in the riches of their liberality. Come on. For I bear witness that according to their ability, yes, and beyond their ability, they were freely willing, imploring us with much urgency that we would receive the gift and the fellowship of the ministry of the saints from extreme poverty and trial. How do you get riches of liberality? It's possible in the kingdom of God. There was severe poverty. There were severe trials, but they sacrificed what they had 
and God blessed them with a harvest. The Lord returned to them more, his liberality to them, from poverty to abundance. We were in a major building program up the road. Our last major building that I built as a pastor there, it was a four and a half million dollar project, a children and youth facility. And I told the congregation that we're gonna be doing this for cash. Cash, four and a half million. So the building's under construction, our people have been giving sacrificially and uh, what happened never happens. The contractor is finishing early. That never happens, Jim, right? That never happens. Six weeks early, and we got a building sitting there, and I told the congregation, we're not moving in until it's paid for. I'm getting a little nervous. Because I can just see that finished building sitting over there, and we, we can't occupy because I told them we're not going to occupy until we pay for it. And I've laid awake at night thinking, oh, God, why did I ever say that? But I did. You know. But I did. We needed $460,000, and we're six weeks away from moving in. And our board said, Pastor, what are we going to do? I says, here's what I feel like the Lord told me that we're do, to do. We need $460,000. So we're going to give a tithe to missions on what we need. How much is in general fund? I said to the treasurer, he said, well, about 65000 We were tight. I said, well, let's write a check for $46,000 tomorrow and send it to Springfield to the World Missions Division. A couple of guys on the board started getting cold sweats. I said, that's what we're going to do. We sent that check for $46,000 to Springfield to missions. And in six weeks, $520,000 came in. Now, here's what I know. If we had not sowed the seed into missions of what we needed, there had never been $520,000 six weeks later. Is anybody getting this? That's the principle. Out of their, out of the Macedonian, they were, they were in poverty and yet they gave what they had and God took it and multiplied it so that they had liberality to give and beyond their ability, the Bible says, they gave. So that in all things, listen, and at all times, having all that you need will abound in every good work. What does it mean to have God's grace abound to you? Friends, it's God's grace coming towards you in every situation and circumstance. It's a lot more than just resources. All the grace of God would abound in your life. It's so many other ways that God's grace ministers life to you. So that in all things, at all times, having all that you need will abound in every good work. You remember Abraham and Lot? They were gonna carve up the land. Abraham said, Lot, take what you want. Lot said, well, I want that, that fertile valley right over there with all those trees and all that greenery. I want that for mine. So Lot took it. What was left was desert. Abraham got the desert. I want you to listen to me. Having the desert with God is better than having a green valley without him. Here's the end of that story. 
God blessed Abraham because he honored God. The result was that they came where Abraham had to go deliver Lot from Sodom. Come on, somebody. Because God's blessing on your life is the greatest thing you could ever have. I said God's blessing on your life is the most incredible thing you could ever have, sir. Man, somebody get this. And Abraham had to go rescue his friend, his cousin. With God's security, with God's wisdom in your life, Lot could have had $10 million, but when he was conquered by an enemy, all the money in the world wouldn't have mattered. And yet, with God's blessing on Abraham, he took care of that enemy with 300 people. We were building a major sanctuary complex in our church. And in the middle of that construction, the piece of property next to us came available. It's a piece of property we really had to have for parking. The church is across the street from Wake Forest University. And so the owner of that property came to me and he said, Pastor, I'm gonna sell this land. He said, Wake Forest has offered me 200,000 for it. It's just an acre, but it is a critical acre. Wake Forest has offered me 200,000 for it, but I'll sell it to you for 100,000 if you can get it, if you can buy it and have it closed in 30 days. I thought, oh God, I, you know. How many know if, if you don't have 100,000, it's like not having a million? Our church was people had given sacrificially. We had done everything. We were in the middle of a major construction of a major of our sanctuary. The only thing I knew to do was to go to church next Sunday and say to our church, the worst thing and the best thing just happened this week. This land just came available next to us that we have to have. If Wake Forest buys it, it's over. We'll never get it. And I said, it's $100,000, but we don't have $100,000. And I know you've given and are giving sacrificially. The only thing I know to do, church, is just to have you right on the back of an offering envelope today what you believe God will help you do in the next 30 days for us to get this money. And we did that. We prayed over it, and people made their pledge for 30 days, and we took an offering with it. On Monday morning, the offering counters counted the money. Brought me a report over to my office, Pastor. We that uh, the pledge and money on the, the property came in at forty-eight thousand dollars. Well, that's great, but it ain't a hundred. Even I know that. And I said, Lord, I don't know what what else to do. Four o'clock on Monday afternoon neighboring pastor called me on the phone. Church we had helped plant years earlier. And he said, Pastor, can I come by and see you for a minute before you leave your office today? And I said, sure. He walked into my office about four o'clock on Monday afternoon and he had a little satchel with him. And he walked into my office and he said, uh, somebody was in your service yesterday and heard your appeal about that, that land. They want to remain, remain anonymous. They were just there in service for that Sunday, yesterday with you. 
but they told me to tell you that whatever you needed would be in this satchel. Nobody knew what the count was. I'd just gotten that from the counters. That pastor and I and my administrative assistant opened that satchel and counted out $52,000 in cash. It's all right to rejoice in somebody else's blessing. Don't tell me he's not a provider. I said, don't tell me. If you give, it's gonna be given to you, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Here's the last point for those of you who are angry and upset now. I just need you to know that's your problem, not mine because I just preached the word to you. Here's the last one that'll really mess with you. Everything you have belongs to the Lord. That's the last principle. Everything you have belongs to the Lord. You know, a guy came to me and said, well, you know, that tithing thing, that's Old Testament. I said, really? I said, uh, let's go to the New Testament. The New Testament says all of it belongs to God. You might wanna go back to the Old Testament. Everything I have belongs to the Lord. You see, I am a steward of what has been entrusted to me. It's all God's. It's all His. And I am a steward of that. And when I give Him the first tenth, I'm acknowledging it all belongs to Him. The psalmist said, the earth and everything in it belongs to the Lord. I own nothing, he owns everything. And the Lord is saying to us this morning, if only my people would work within the system that the Father has for them, you're hearing him say, Jesus saying, oh, that my people would get in on the system I've designed for them. But unfortunately, there's so many people who call themselves Christians that try to serve God and mammon, and it just doesn't work. Douglas Lawson said, we exist temporarily through what we take, but we live forever through what we give. What I spent is gone. What I kept, I lost. What I gave away will be mine forever. My friend John Maxwell said it like this. We make a living by what we get. We make a life by what we give. Lord, I thank you for the power of your word. I thank you for your spirit that gives life. Lord, I thank you that you're a God who is a promise keeper. You're a covenant maker. And so Lord, I honor you today for your faithfulness in my own life and your faithfulness in, in your people here today. Lord, we open our hearts afresh to you with saying, Jesus, flow your life through us. Flow your blessing through us. Use us as instruments of your grace and power to bless others. And Lord, as you give us seed, let us multiply that seed by what we give to bless others, to help others. 
Lord Jesus, I thank you for, for your word that gives life today. And this morning we come to your table because all that we are, have today, all of your blessing is the result of what happened on Golgotha's Hill 2,000 plus years ago where you paid the penalty for my sin, where you died and gave your life that I could be free, that I could know your blessing in my life, that I could know your forgiveness, that I could know your grace. And so Lord, as we come to your table in, in these moments now, let it be a high and holy moment for us as we acknowledge all that you did to purchase our redemption. Would you join me this morning as we take the elements of communion? Those at home, would you join with us? We take the bread. He is referred to so many ways in the Bible as the scripture as the bread of life. He is the sustenance of life. All that we have is the result of his hand. All that we are is the result of his hand. So as we hold that bread in our hands, if you're in this house today and you need healing, you're in this house and you need emotional peace, as you take of that bread in the next few moments, I'm asking that the Holy Spirit of God would just minister his life, his sustenance into your life today. Lord Jesus, as we take this bread, I, I pray for miracles of healing to flow into this house. Miracles of restoration to flow into this room by the power of your Holy Spirit. We receive the bread that represents your body that was broken for ours. Yours was broken, that ours could be whole. We take of the bread together now. Let's take it, friends. Thank you, Jesus. 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 Would you stand with me all over the room? I want us to stand in honor to the Lord. we prepare to take this cup. Without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. We were redeemed by the blood of Jesus. Oh, precious is that flow. That makes me white as snow. No other fount I know. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Would you join me today Say, Lord, just cleanse me afresh. Anything that's in me that's not of you, Jesus, would you just remove it from my life today as I take of this cup? Lord, we ask, Lord, for fresh cleansing and redeeming grace in our lives. Oh, God, touch us afresh today. Minister life and healing and wholeness today as we take this cup that represents your blood that was shed for our sins. We take it with thanksgiving this morning in Jesus' name. Let's take the cup together.
Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Jesus. 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 The worship team's gonna lead us.